welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, September 19th edition of the show. Jake, it is a rookie face-off edition of the show. We actually have some hockey to talk about. It's not it's not exactly NHL hockey. It's not exactly preseason. It's definitely not regular season, but it's something, and, and we're grateful for it. So I may just decide, though, to derail this from the very beginning. And I've oh, been good. sitting on this debating if I'm going to do it right as away. Long, as long as this isn't about wrestling, I'm it, all good with it, whatever it, it you're is about not, to say. It is not about wrestling. Okay, then by all means. It is because uh, our good friend Connor Plutko decided to put in the food and drink uh, chat on our Discord. Oh. Tried to say, well, let, let me get the exact wording on, on this so I'm not misrepresenting what he said. Pepper Jack is the most elite cheese for a uh, burger. Don't come in here with any of that cheddar nonsense. And building off that comment, <laughs> cheddar is wildly overrated. Hmm. See, he he kind of was doing something there. He, he kind of had something going on. And then he went the cheddar route and lost me. Like, yeah, cheddar, he, he, cheddar's he's, good. Cheddar's great. I don't know where he's getting off here. Like, Connor, yeah. I'm sorry. No. No. And, and and the thing is with cheddar too, there's there's so many different variations. Yeah, sharp cheddar. Yeah, like it, it, it's such a versatile uh, family of cheeses that I don't know how you could just broadly say that they are all bad because that's essentially what you're saying when you're saying cheddar is bad. Wait, wait, someone's uh, painting with a broad brush about food that's not Felix. I mean, okay, we're not talking about me, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I've never made this specific take. Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I just had to start with that because that take was so wild that just needed to be shouted down. Everyone shout shout at Connor. Although I'll say this, Pepper Jack is good. It is, it is. I've got no issues with Pepper Jack. 100%, completely agree. Especially if you get Pepper Jack from like a local butcher, or not butcher, but uh, like local deli. Why would butcher be the thing there local deli something like that where it's like freshly sliced and the peppers inside are actually a little little hot instead of just the store-bought stuff it's it can be delicious so that's it that's not a crazy take it's just why does cheddar have to go down why does cheddar have to pay the price for for pepper jack's fortunes yep so sorry i needed to derail it with that though now go on go on with the hockey talk (laughs) so there was hockey this past weekend. There was the rookie face-off up here in San Jose, which I was lucky enough to attend on Friday night. Three total games, one on Friday, one that we watched Saturday, and then one today, which I did not get to watch, so I'm, I'm just going to get that out there. I only caught bits and pieces of it, but was able to see some of it. Uh, I mean, they look good. I think that this was the game they probably looked the best in the little bits that I saw. Okay, well, hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll take that for what it's worth, but I think one thing to keep in mind, so we're going to get into all the specifics and nitty gritty of this tournament, uh, this event, sorry, because it's not actually a tournament. You're going to no, keep but- doing that. Just accept <laughs> it, that, that you're never going to be able to correct that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out and just say this. This is not a tournament, but I reserve the right to use the word tournament just because that's easier for me to describe it that you way. You legitimately said that so many times on the Patreon episode <laughs> on the weekend after claiming it's not a tournament. I'm just so. going to say that it isn't, but if you hear me say that it is, don't take that to mean that it is. So anyway. There you go. 
<laughs> so in this tournament, uh, with these types of tournaments, how much stock do you put into anything, really? As someone watching these games, first off, I guess, two-part question, how much stock do you put into it? And also, B, what are you looking for? Uh, I really honestly don't put a whole lot of stock into these tournaments at all. I know we talk a lot about the World Juniors as sometimes uh, rising and lowering people's stocks too much over a small sample. But I think that there's at least some argument for that because it is a high-stakes tournament with guys going all out. This is a rookie camp. These are guys, uh, the the younger guys just starting to, to figure out their way. I mean, you had Tristan Leno in the article by, I believe it was Eric Stevens, kind of talking about how he did have those jitters. It was the first time putting on, putting on a Ducks jersey for him and, and kind of had some jitters before he was able to settle into his game. And so you have guys like that who are just starting to, to understand the NHL from even a low perspective like that. And then you have guys like Mason McTavish, who I think is the exact opposite of that. And I think that that's the other part of this is that Mason McTavish, I think, is is pretty much locked into to an NHL role. I think he could very easily be awful in training camp and then probably not make the team. But I would put it maybe 90% that he makes the team at this point in time. And there's really nothing that he could have done in this tournament to necessarily uh, change that. Uh, for himself and I think that realistically the main reason that they probably wanted him at this tournament was to have that captaincy on him to to give him some experience being a leader among his peers allow him to to essentially be the guy that's played NHL games have that role but I mean you watch him play and it's hard to get past the fact that he just came off a high high intensity world junior tournament and it's probably hard to get up for this type of game, especially one where he got injured last year and he's kind of just coasting a bit. And that's completely understandable. So I think all of that to say, I don't really have a whole, whole lot of takeaways. I think these tournaments are fun because we have just gone through an entire summer of not having hockey. And then these come in and we get it. Uh, we get to see some guys that we may not even see in training camp. And so we may not see a, a Tristan Leno or a Noah Warren again on our, on our screens for probably another year. And, and so I think from that perspective, it's kind of exciting to look at it from that perspective. But I don't really so, have huge takeaways. So what are you looking for when you're watching these games? What am I looking for? I'm looking for just the little flashes from from the younger players, from the drafted players, from the, the first round picks, the second round picks. Just trying to get a feel for what those types of players were. And I think... In this tournament, for me, the biggest thing that I saw and the most people that I saw it of, out of were on the blue line. And so I think that that was something that was so impressive to me was, especially from this past draft, was that Minchukov, uh, Tristan Leno, Noah Warren, those three guys, they really impressed me in this tournament and in some ways uh, upped my opinion on them from where it may have been mainly with Noah Warren because I was high on Tristan Leno and uh, Pavel Minchukov, but I, I think it's just kind of almost in some ways trying to understand what the type, what type of player they are, and seeing what type of game that they have. And I think that's my yeah. biggest thing is not looking for big overarching takeaways, um, whether they're good or bad players. Um, I think maybe you can make that in a bad sense about an older guy, but I think you're mainly it, it's a small sample, it's three games, it, it's it, it's tough to have huge takeaways, but you want to see what these players are. Because you're not going to see him for a while. Yeah, so I think the first point is, is an interesting one on how much stock do you put into these. Because you could say, and I think the first part of the the point is valid, which is that it's a small sample. It's, it's like an infinitely small sample. It's three yeah. games. 
some guys don't play all three games, so you're really not getting uh, you're not getting much. But people put stock in the World Juniors, right? Why do they do that? Because they're playing against the best of their peers from different countries, mm-hmm. and they're doing it in this pressure-packed environment. And I would argue that this is not the same, but it's in that vein. They are playing against the best prospects on other teams, uh, assuming that those other teams have their best prospects there, which they generally do. And, I mean, I, you know, being there on Friday, and, I mean, it was the same thing when I was there when it was in Irvine, all of the hockey world for these teams is yeah. there. I mean, the decision makers, the scouts. I mean, I saw Pat Verbeek, Jeff Solomon, Martin Madden. I saw Bob Murray. I mean, there's just the who's who of these teams' brain trust is there. So there's a lot of pressure on these guys to perform in this kind of small sample. So even though I would generally agree that, yes, this is still too much of a small sample to really make any sweeping conclusions, you can still get something out of it because it's a pretty unique and and tough environment for these guys. That's fair. Uh, Yeah, I I think that that's a good point. I I think... That was something I hadn't really fully thought about. Basically, this is this is the first time that kind of all these guys are going to be in front of their general managers. Right. Um, right. And, and I think that's a fair point to be had. And this is where they can see him up close and personal, because after this, it, it's going on trips where instead of them having the entire roster of their their players, um, they are going to be one player on that team that they're going to be looking at. And so right. if you stand out amongst your peers in your draft, in your uh prospect pool that probably sets you up well moving forward as compared to just essentially being the one guy that they focus on in the game that there's a big difference there between that right so i i I would still caution from making big conclusions on anybody but at least note what they did at least take stock of it and don't just kind of hand wave it because it's a small sample or or whatever and i'm not saying you're doing that but i think that there that there are notions out there regarding this and on the second point I mean, personally, for me, what do I look for? I think it's basically what you said. It's it's just understanding how these players play, what their strengths and weaknesses are, how they approach different situations, what skills do they have right now that are driving their success, and what skills do they could they maybe work on to, to help address some weaknesses. So you're really just getting to see that in a very intimate way because – Otherwise, when do we really get to see all these guys together on the same ice? You know, they're playing for different teams and different leagues throughout the season. We just don't have the, you know, our, our duty here is not to cover prospects throughout the season. It's to cover the team. So we don't really ever get to see all of the prospects mm-hmm. really play on the same ice ever up close like that. Yeah. So it's a unique opportunity. And, it, and, it, and it's really cool. I'm really glad that this concept exists because... I mean, I, I I don't know if you're aware, but like the NBA has a summer league, yeah, where it's all the young guys, and I love that, and I wish the NHL had something close to that, yeah. But it's it's a fun concept, nevertheless. yeah. I mean, it's also just a completely different league. The way that the teams are set up in terms, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, the all everything's very very different between essentially different. how every, how leagues are run. But yes, different. no, I agree. It, it's a fun tournament, and I think that when it was hosted in Irvine, it was really really fun to go to. I think, I think it is something that is more fun to be at than to necessarily watch. Because I, agree. I, I feel like in some ways it is you, you watch that first period, right? <laughs> the first couple minutes and it feels like you're on top of the world watching hockey again. 
<laughs> and then it slowly settles in as there's missed passes and missed passes that <laughs> this is not the same level as the NHL. And this well, is definitely also, the, the very mm-hmm. early season uh, of uh, for these guys. And they're just starting to get their legs underneath us. And also adding in the fact that the camera angles for oh. the last two games oh. were miserable. I swear, in today's game, there was at one point where I think it was the start of the third period. <laughs> the person, I think, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like a remote operated camera. Um, it, it just like stayed in the neutral zone. I think they <laughs> forgot that they needed to like turn the camera when the puck was in the offensive zone. I'm pretty sure the ducks were on the power play and the camera was still just on the neutral zone. Yeah. I, I think another challenge in watching these games is just that you're not watching a team. Really? You're not watching teams playing yeah, each other. That's fair. You're watching individuals trying to make a name for themselves. And that doesn't always lead to the best team play. Yeah. So that's another issue. And, you know, there's just no real cohesion. I think that's, that's the, that's the kind of big takeaway there. But yeah, I think because it's, it's all about individuals though, we can go down the list and we can do it. We can talk about different players. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, that we are not going to go through each and every player on the roster because there are just some players that I don't have any takeaways on like Julian Balland. Uh, Max Golod, Connor Vitson, I, I've got nothing for you. I'm sorry. Maybe I wow. failed you as a podcast. Wow. Uh, Their family is watching this show, <laughs> and they're gonna come for you, Felix. I, well, I love those players. Thought they played great. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you were going to say that. You know, five seconds ago. Um, well, let's let's just go down this list. I have it in front of me. I'll throw names at you. And I'm just, I'm going to be picking names. Uh, and if I, we don't get to names that you think we should have talked about after, you can bring them up. But let's start with this. Nathan Gaucher, number 46. Nathan Gaucher, I shades thought was really... of Shades of Trevor Zegras. <laughs> oh, very much so. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was really impressive. I know a lot of people will probably point to, to the fight that he had. But as everyone probably knows, not exactly my cup of tea, not something I really care about there. Um, I, I think he was impressive because uh, of his ability to transition the puck into the offensive zone. He showed a little bit of an ability with the puck in the O zone. It was good in his own own zone. Also, he seems like a guy that could eventually become a solid third, third line center for you. And I, I think maybe a second line center long-term, but I think that I'm much higher on him now having watched this than I was necessarily uh, prior for him. Yeah, I think that when he was drafted, I mean, where he was drafted, I should say, in the first round, 22nd overall this past summer, people were saying, well, not an exciting pick. Could have could have taken a home run swing on a Brad Lambert. But that being said, I think that there is something to kind of note that Nathan Gaucher does have the profile of a guy who seems like he has a pretty high floor, who can who can get to the NHL relatively seamlessly and watching him like you said it's it's all there i think his skating is already it's not necessarily nhl level but it's it's getting there i, I think i don't think there's a lot of holes in his game yeah like like he's not slow not necessarily quick but he's not slow i think that his skill level just in terms of his playmaking and his uh his offensive toolkit not the most elite but he's good at connecting plays he's good at just keeping possessions alive He's big, so he's able to create space for himself and, again, just keep those possessions going. So that's – he's just kind of got all the tools you want for a guy who 
I mean, second line center might be a little generous, but maybe. maybe. But yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think that he, this just kind of solidified what I thought that even though it wasn't maybe the sexiest pick at 22, I think that there's an NHL player in there. Yep. I would agree with that. I, I think that he showed me more than I expected. And I think the one thing to keep in mind here with this team, I think overall is you and I actually on the Patreon show did a little bit of a deep dive on the 2019 without even meaning to the 2019 tournament that was held in Irvine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you look at that team and just how many guys that were 21, 22 ready yeah. to be in the NHL that were on that team. Whereas it feels like this team's a lot different. This is a lot of 18, 19, 20 year olds. Like yeah. this is a much younger group of guys than in prior rookie tournaments. And I think yeah, Troy that, Terry played in the 2019 one. Yeah. And like, I mean, Trevor Zegers, well, no, Zegers would have been the same as McTavish uh, this year, last year. But regardless, I think that there's a lot of these guys that I think it's hard. Uh, you have to remember, they just came off their draft season. And so I think with Gaucher, what he was able to do doing that, I think uh, did raise his stock a little bit for me. Yeah. And again, we want to be cautious with having too big of takeaways, but yep. he, but he, bas- he basically did nothing to dissuade me from thinking that he's got an NHL future. Yep. And that so, was a defensible pick. It was, it was, there was nothing wrong with that pick. Yep. Uh, moving down the list. I will, I will say that, so Blake McLaughlin might be the oldest player on this team. I think so. No, he's not. Pavel, there's, oh, Pavel Regenda. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> but one of the older ones, he's he's kind of been around this block. I thought that he looked fine. Yeah, I, mean, I thought he looked fine. He didn't stand out to me. He, he kind of... I don't think his stock raised for me. It also didn't lower for me. I think like that I think he, I think he could be a call up type guy, just just you know the fourth liner body yeah. type. Yeah, like, I I think he probably pans out to be mainly an uh, maybe top of the lineup AHLer most likely that gets called I, up. I could see him maybe being a fourth liner just because I mean he showed me some good, uh, some good forechecking ability. I thought that he really was driving play. But again, though, it's kind of hard to say because he's he's one of the older guys. Yeah. He's kind of done this before. So don't want to put too, too much stock for especially a player like that. Mm-hmm. You touched on him already, but I think people probably want to know uh, how Mason McTavish looked because Mason McTavish was the third overall pick just yep. a couple years ago. He has made the headlines all the last year. What did you think of Mason McTavish's rookie face-off performance? Um, I, I think you have to honestly say it was a little disappointing. I, I think today's game was a bit better from him. I think he seems like a guy that kind of didn't, that got hurt last year, was there for, I like I said, I think he was probably there for leadership reasons and wasn't going all out at different points in time. And I think that for good reason. Um, and I think in today's game, he showed a little bit more in terms of the passing that he has uh, in his game and being able to set up goals for other guys. And so... Um, I, I think overall it was a fine tournament. I don't think there's anything he could have done to, to either raise or lower his stock from, from this tournament. And I mean, you look at, let's see, Mason McTavish had one assist today. Um, and I'm trying to just get the stats on the other games or sorry, that was against the sharks. He had one assist and then today he had another assist and then did not play on, uh, Saturday's game. So he had two assists total in two games. So kind of what you maybe you would have expected a little bit more from him offensively in this tournament um, but who cares <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> one mean, of those things of it this tournament is not what you're going to care too much about it just doesn't matter that this tournament did not matter for mason nope. mctavish i would argue that he 
kind of played like it. <laughs> but who cares, right? I mean, yeah. like, it, it's just one of those things where I'm not going to hold it against him that he maybe didn't try his hardest in yep. in a setting that he had nothing to, to benefit from and really only to lose from. Because yep. what if he gets hurt, right? I mean, yep. we saw it last year. Didn't Trevor Zegers get hurt and could have been a lot worse than it was? Um so it's just it's just one of those scenarios where I'm not going to go too harsh on him. Although I will say that you could tell in the power play he was really trying to get his shot off. Yeah. I think that was the one thing he cared about. Um, you could tell he was really trying to dial in well, that one-timer. They, they probably gave him things to work on specifically. Yeah. And that may have been one of them. Yeah, and I thought that, I mean, his shot up, like up close in person is... It's impressive. He can shoot the puck very, very hard. Well, yeah, I mean that was noticeable last year, even when we saw him when when we saw him in person at the the rookie camp last yeah. year. Like it was noticeable at, at eighteen years old. Yeah, and you can just tell like he's just so physically developed compared to the other guys. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I his his season his kind of path will be more so decided by the preseason. Yes, and how he does there because. I think he at least needs to play somewhat well in the preseason, right? Yes. I, I don't think that he's – I think he's almost locked into a spot, but I think if he has a poor preseason, it's not out of the question that he's on thin ice at the start of the year and could get sent back. And you know that Aikens is of the mind of, oh, you've got to earn it, you've got to yeah, prove it, like, which I, n- nothing I, wrong with that, by the like, way, but just saying. <laughs> like, I think it's locked in that he's making the opening night roster. I think he's earned that with the last season he had, with the tournament he had, with everything he's done. I think he's probably earned the opening night roster spot to at least get the the tryout with the team and and go from there. But I think training camp will go a hell of a long way to to get him in a better spot to shine. I mean, it, it's basically his job to lose. Yeah. Like, he... Like he He's he's just got to not screw it up, yep. which I don't think he will. Uh, no Logan Nijoff takes. Sorry, uh, Sastra Pastajov. This this was Ooh. a pick that we were both really excited about uh, all the way back in 2021 in the third round because of how productive he was in his draft year. And this past season, you know, maybe wasn't as electrifying as we thought he'd be. Any kind of takeaways from from his performance? Yeah, I mean, I I think a little bit disappointing. I mean, no shots on goal in today's game. Only two shots on goal in the game against the Sharks. And then, sorry, I just want to get this stat up also if I can get to it in time. Uh, Oh, I can't. It's fine. Um, But basically, I, I think that he was a little bit quiet to be honest. And so you didn't necessarily see the, him shooting the puck like he was known for basically. So um, I think I would have to say disappointing. He got in the four check a, a couple points in time to break that up. But this was someone who kind of was known for his shot for getting into offensive danger areas. And that wasn't necessarily something we saw. And I mean, there's still development required in his game. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think a little bit disappointing. Well, I think the the thing to to look at or to note with him is that the big knock on him has been his skating ability. And watching him play, I didn't I didn't find that to be this, you know, huge weakness or whatever, but he didn't stand out in that yeah. respect though. Yep. And so that is a little concerning, but skating is one of those things that can take a long time to actually see the see the changes that you're implementing. Out away from games well, yeah, and it, practices. It, it, take, it takes a lot, a lot of time because you're essentially reworking everything. Well, you're un, you, you have know. to unlearn a lot of yeah. things first. Yeah. To, so he to, had, 
he had one shot against the Coyotes. So in three games, uh, he played all three games. He had three shots on goal. Yeah. So that that, I mean, that that that's probably not enough for a guy that's known for being a shooter. No, and he just wasn't really making a lot of plays. Like I think he may have had a couple of rush chances here and there, but it, it was yeah, you kind of was you you you'd kind of hope to see more from him, but keep in mind he's a third round pick and even though yep. there was maybe an argument that he should have been selected higher, maybe now you're seeing why he actually did end up in the third round. So yep. Uh, I'm trying to think. So this year, I mean, he's probably going to play in the OHL again. Yes. I don't, yeah, 100%. I mean, there's nowhere else for him to go, and yep. he's not making the team. Uh, let's talk about Jacob Perot. Fun one here, because Perot is another one of these guys. So I would put Perot in the opposite category of Mason McTavish, where you're not, you're not going to decide that anything is definitively changed with him based on this rookie faceoff, but... He is in a position where the more that he shows out, the more that he can impress, I feel like he can really gain from those positive impressions. Yeah, and I think he showed his ability to get shots off. I think specifically on the power play, that was something I think was very, very noticeable was him finding open space, making himself available, and taking one-timers. And even though I think he only had one goal in the tournament, there were a couple cross-ice passes that he one time that the goalie just made a really good save on. And so... I think Jacob Perot kind of showed the exact type of game that he's known for with that shot and being able to get that off. I think you pointed this out on the Patreon show um, that he uh, now I'm, uh, that he really wasn't, or maybe it was text message between us that he maybe got lost behind in some transition play, um, which I think is fair. But I think if you put him with guys that can feed him the puck in dangerous spot and he's just finding soft spots on the ice as compared to necessarily leading the transition, he's someone that could really have a role in the top six. Yeah, so I think that he improved as the tournament went along. Because yeah. in, the, in the first game, I was, you know, with everything I've said about, oh, don't put too much stock in this, I was I was texting you like, oh man, Perot looks terrible. And then as the, that game went along against San yep. Jose and into the game against Arizona, I thought, okay, now I'm seeing it more. Like, he's... He's definitely got – I think that his his toolkit offensively is starting to become more well-rounded. Yep. His skating looks good. He looks quick. He's got the shot. We all know that. But his ability to manipulate defenders, to, to create plays, yeah. it, was, it was all there. And, you know, I think it's going to be a tough road for him to make the team. But I yeah. think it. But I think he's got a shot. Like there's, I, I th- there's a, there is an opening for him. I think. like I, th- I, think- I think if he plays really well in training camp, like what's the harm in in giving him some run in the NHL? Like he can just go back to San Diego. It's not this kind of all or nothing situation that you face with the junior guys, with the CHL guys, I should say. Yep. So yep. Also, quick note on Sasha Pasterjob. I believe that he actually is AHL eligible this year due to the fact that he was not drafted out of the OHL. He's drafted out of the National Development Program, but uh, he's going back to the OHL. Yeah, he doesn't look no. like he should be playing at that level quite yet. I mean, you want to see him really dominate the OHL. Which he did for the first, like, half of the season last year. Yeah. And then fell off. Well, the weird thing now, too, is, like, if he dominates in his draft plus two, how much do we even really care? Maybe that's the <laughs> argument for having him in the AHL. But I think he yeah. should go to the OHL. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you could make a case either way. Um, oh, boy. Are you ready for this? Oh, uh, let's hear it. Are you ready for Pavel Regenda talk? Go on. You You <laughs> go. You go. I think it's Regenda, by the way, not Regenda. Oh, 
well, I'm sure we're pronouncing it wrong regardless because it's not an English name. So English That's pronunciations fair. don't apply. So he was signed as a free agent this yes. offseason. Correct. And he's born 1999, so he's definitely one of the older guys in this group. You can tell why uh, Paverbeek probably targeted him. I mean, he's he's got some size. He's 6'3". He can use it out there. I thought that he did a good job of protecting the puck. He's a good. I thought he was a decent forechecker, but man, he is just slow. <laughs> he mm-hmm. is just there. Is just not a lot of speed there, and the playmaking didn't really see it. But he was good at just keeping cycles alive and and making plays along the wall. So I'm really curious what happens with him. I mean, he's. Like, why did they sign him, right? Is he just going to be an AHL depth guy? Or is that where he's going to start to just kind of get his feet wet in North America and then he comes up? Well, it's just, I mean, it's you just also a curious think... signing as a guy who's going on 23 in a couple months. Yeah. I mean, you have to think he probably hasn't played much time on North American ice. No. Um, he's probably mainly played on Olympic ice. Um, so there's probably going to be a transition time. I, I don't really think. I mean, against, against, against guys that are 19, 20 years old. He did not show anything that he was head and his shoulders above all. Of them. Well, Jake, you and know why he was signed, right? Yuri Slavkovsky? Because he scored five goals in eight games at the World Championship. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, he is and I mean, he is on a two way deal, so when he's in the minors, he's gonna be making uh eighty K per year. So there yeah. is, there is that. Like there's really not a whole lot of risk here. It's no, a two year no, no. deal, two two way deal. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really see anything. I think I'm open to the, to this being essentially his first games on North American ice and maybe that changing, but as of right now, uh, not looking great. If you have Regenda stock. Yeah, I guess the question is, you know, he was playing, he was playing in the Slovakian top division. So he was playing against men and it's just interesting that in, in this setting, he didn't stand out as much, but he could be a guy who's just better. Like, I think in more of a normal setting, he might look better. Well, I mean, so. you also you also did say it at the top, right? This is a tournament where you have guys trying to essentially stand out from one another, not necessarily work cohesively as a team at all times. And maybe right. that's something that he doesn't thrive in. Because he so. kind of he, he struck me as a guy where he could be a really like he's kind of a good glue guy on the line where he's got the size he can make those little connecting plays and it's harder to play that role when you have line mates that might have uh let's just call them diverse motivations for when they're out there so we'll see i'm not gonna write him off i mean there's I can't do that <laughs> after three rookie faceoff games, but just interesting, just interesting, given that people were seem to be somewhat excited about him. Yep. Let's do one more, then we'll get to our ad read. Okay. Ooh. Why don't we? Why don't we just cut to the ad? Because this next one could take a little, little time. I don't know. Unless uh, you, I mean, do you have anything to say about Braden Tracy? I mean, I know there are some people that thought he was he had a really good showing. I don't know. I didn't see a whole lot out of he him. He scored to be on. He scored on Friday. Yeah. Um, I think like for he, him, he scored goals, which I think is what he needs to do to impress. I don't know. I just saw him turning the puck over a lot in the offensive zone. I didn't necessarily think he created chances for himself that much. He wasn't someone that necessarily jumped out to me um, in any shape or form at any point in time. 
I guess my thing with him is I almost just don't care what he does in these tournaments anymore. That's fair. Like, I mean, like, th- th- this is a guy that was drafted the same year as, uh, yeah, the, the same year as Trevor Zegras. Yeah. And, and so kind of, I think putting it in that perspective, this would be his third go around if there was no COVID at this tournament. Um, so I, I think that that's a good point. Yeah. Like I just, like I, I, I saw the things I've always seen with him, which is the, the skating ability, the, the quickness and, you know, the, the small area plays some decent rush decision-making with the puck. But again, it's like, I just give, give me, give me that, give me all those things in a, in a preseason game or, or an NHL regular season. Game. Yeah. And, and so I think he has some to show. Um, I mean, I think part of it could also just be, it's hard to always follow the games in terms of with the camera angles and everything like that going on. So maybe things will change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he played poorly or, or well or whatever. Like I thought he was fine. Did, yeah. I don't have anything like negative to say about his performance. It's just like, well, I'm throwing my hands up because I want to see, I want to see him in a, in a more, yep. in, a, in a more real meaningful setting. <laughs> yep. All right. So, Felix, I would imagine that Braden Tracy's probably going to be wearing a shirt underneath his jersey, right? Maybe. Probably. Well, I mean, in that case, today's episode is sponsored by True Classic. Guys, let's talk about t-shirts. Finding that perfect fitting shirt can be terrible. I swear, the thing is either way too tight, has a case of the bacon neck, or is just plain big and boxy. Luckily, True Classic wants to make every man look good and feel good tighter fit in the chest, and sleeves to make your arms pop, and room in the torso to keep things nice and cozy. I'm telling you, all of their styles are super soft and at a great price for what you're getting. So guys, no excuses. Get rid of those ratty t-shirts I know that you've been hanging on to for years. Yes, I have plenty of those. I feel like every guy does. Should be throwing (laughs) them out. There's so many holes in it. And get ready to upgrade. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners. We want to hook you up with some true classic. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the code CTP at trueclassic.com. And so, Felix, almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on a certain body type. Think skinny models with six-packs. Most of most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers, and there's nothing wrong with that, guys. I'm in, I'm in that boat, my dudes. It, it's simple. You're wearing the wrong clothes. I mean, I struggle with that all the time finding the shirt that fits right. I'm a shorter guy, a little bit stockier. It's not easy to find a shirt that is gonna fit me well. And so, uh, I mean, as you can see, I'm wearing this. This shirt fits great. This is from True Classic. And their tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders so you can throw on that True Classic with confidence knowing we've got your bases covered. True Classic is more than just a t-shirt company. They have all menswear staples you need. They've got polos, workout shirts uh, with the same uh, flattering fit. Their workout shirts are great. I love wearing that every single time. To boxer briefs designed to keep your boys feeling nice and comfortable. They make it super easy to build out your wardrobe, and you'll get top-notch quality for a great value. Um, They have a pack builder on their website. And for any big boys out there, they have long body options for the tall guys and up to triple XL on their staple colors and they'll make you feel your best by accentuating the places the eyes go to first wink wink whether you have abs or flabs their clothes make uh look great on all body types skinny dudes big dudes buff dudes my dudes dudes true classic has you covered so get comfortable get going and upgrade your wardrobe with true classic get 25 percent off at trueclassic.com with code ctp 
Free shipping included on purchases over $100, and there's 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. So when you look good, you feel good. Thank you, True Classic. Go check them out. We're rocking their hats, too. Yes, yes. I saw on their website that they have jeans now. Very curious about those. I actually don't own a pair of jeans right now. Should get. I don't don't know if I should say that out loud, but if True Classic wants to send me a pair, I'll, I'll happily talk about them on the pod. Okay. Let's uh let's carry on here and let's talk about the blue line because I think to me this I'm kind of glad we saved this for now because this is this was the real standout of the weekend and I'm gonna try to try to couch everything with you know we we're not saying that these guys are gonna be all stars or or whatever but I think it's fine to to give credit where it's due and and to to take note that there were some positive signs from from different players from a lot of these blue liners. Yes. Let's start with let's start with Drew Hellison. So I got to see him up close on Friday, and I thought that he was mostly as advertised. I don't he didn't make any glaring mistakes. His skating stood out as a positive, not an overwhelming positive, but I thought that he was adequately mobile in all four directions, backing up, uh, going side to side, and you know didn't get a lot of opportunities to move the puck, so we didn't really get to see his offensive game, but his ability to close gaps with oncoming attackers and his kind of small area passes down low in his own zone, you could just tell that there was a smart, you know, kind of pro-level defenseman there already. Yeah, he he just seems stable. I'm curious where he, I mean, he'll probably start in the AHL, but I, I think that, you know, given any injuries this season or what have you, that he's a guy who could maybe come in and and make an impression early on that, that he's capable of playing at that pro pro level. So yeah, I, I, com- I, I was I was excited by his play. I completely agree. I mean, we said it at the time when the trade happened that it's only his he projects to be Josh Manson, basically, um, but maybe with a little bit more offensive ceiling. And we saw that actually today when he was on the power play. Well, I think uh, he's I think just on- more in control. <laughs> than Yeah, than well, Manson. but I, offensively, he has a little bit more to his game than Manson did. And I think that's the biggest right. thing. He has more of a puck-moving game in the offensive zone. And he's just stable. And I think that pairing of, of him and Zellweger was very fascinating to watch. And I think that he just provided the solid backing for, for Zellweger to be able to go and do whatever he wants. And that's what you really need out of a Drew Hellison. And so it was really fascinating to, to watch him. I and mean, I definitely... Um, definitely was impressed by him in terms of just the, he had the most professional game, I think out of anyone on the ducks in this tournament. Yeah. He just looked polished. You know, he's just nothing, nothing blowing you away, but looked polished. And I think that if you're trying to project where he'll end up, I mean, he, everything that I had heard about him kind of checked out. So that's, that's a good sign. I think if you're a ducks fan, you should be happy about that. Uh, Tyson Hines. So, Tyson Hines is actually about the same size as as Drew Hellison, but he looks a little rangier. I don't know why that is, but he just yeah, looks, he looks I, a little I, rangier. It seems like his reach is a little bit longer. Yeah, and he was exciting to watch because he was a third-round pick in, in 2021. Actually, but, one that they traded, I think, a third-round pick this year for. Yeah, it was the flip. Yeah. Um, but he... You know, he's not the most exciting with the puck, but I think that defensively, he was really good at, at just, you know, killing plays, getting getting in the faces of attackers, breaking up plays with a stick, getting in passing lanes. 
he was just kind of everywhere and but he wasn't doing it in this in this reckless fashion he was really in control and just kind of seemed to be in the right spot every you know and, wherever he was and i want to add to that because you're right but i one thing that i know specifically i think it was in the coyotes game he was very much engaged uh in the offensive zone in terms of pinching off the pitching on mm-hmm. the boards to be able to keep pucks alive and that's something that is so important to get good reads there and be able to play it smart while also being aggressive enough to save pucks and keep offensive zone time going and i think he got a couple plays that were really stuck out to me where he jumped in front of the coyotes uh winger that was along the board to get to the puck first and get it back down deep in the zone to one of the Ducks players low. And that's something that I think is so important in the modern day game because guys are going to be looking to break out the puck quickly. And if you can pick those pucks off before they get up to the guy that's high in the zone, you're able to keep plays going. And then you have an outnumbered attack because if you pick that puck off, put it low, you drive the net. Now you have an offensive advantage. Yeah, And so not necessarily that Hines is going to be that guy to give you that, but if he starts doing that and starts kind of at least maybe becoming a dummy, it opens up space for other guys. Yeah. And I think no. that that, that, I think that that's something I did not expect to see in his game that really stuck out to me. Well, he looked good at the last rookie face off the one last season. And so, oh, but he I barely remember that one. He, he built upon <laughs> that. Yep. Uh, this isn't, I mean, and then to me, this is probably the one that I was the most, surprised by because I didn't really know what to expect but Tristan Luneau you know he's a guy who is very young for this for this crop of players I mean he's one of the only two players three players born in 2004 so mm-hmm. he's very young and he was the he was the second round pick he's a guy who projected to be a first round pick was the first overall pick in the QMJHL draft, but then suffered a knee injury. And he really showed, I think, why he was once so highly touted. I mean, his he's got, I mean, he everything I just said about Hines, I thought he had that. He had the defensive game, but then he was so good at joining the rush, being smart about that, creating offensive opportunities. And really where he stuck out to me was as a puck mover. Just so yep. smart distributing so smart at reading the forecheck and then making the right decision. Just a really fun defenseman to watch. I mean, I, I have a kind of a soft spot for a good puck moving defenseman, and he really showed that. And I think it was also a little jarring that he was wearing number 67. Yeah. So just, just totally disrespectful to Ricard Raquel, I guess. <laughs> wow. I mean, there was a lot of that. With, 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 with... Retire 67. Wow. No? Um, um, no, I, yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And I think his ability to move the puck and get the puck out in transition, I, I think that he could be a steal of this draft. And we talked about it a little bit on the, the Patreon episode, but I mean, the ducks could go back to back in terms of getting steals of the draft in the second round, getting Zellweger two years ago. And then this past year, getting Tristan Leno. Um, I, I think that they really did a good job of finding guys that maybe were undervalued for various reasons with Tristan Leno. It has to do with the fact that he's coming off this knee injury and, finding value in that, finding guys that were net were overlooked in some ways. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that it, this was a really, really good showing for him. Yeah. Yeah. I know he, he did, he did great. I, I would expect he'll go back to junior, but a player to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, Pavel Mintyukov, I, I feel like maybe, you know, we kind of buried the lead here, but he was, I mean, he was the 10th overall pick for the ducks in this yep. past draft. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's supposed to be one of the most important building blocks as a 10th overall pick. Uh, what did you think of his performance? 
I thought also fantastic. I think he stood out in the in the sense of joining the rush. Um, I don't think he necessarily moved the puck as well as Leno did, but he he was definitely he's, more. He's also more risky or yeah. risk not I don't whatever the opposite of risk averse is. He's trying stuff. <laughs> yeah, he he's getting the offensive zone and trying some stuff. I don't think he was neglectful though in his own zone. I think he was good in his own zone. Didn't necessarily show himself in a bad way out there. Um, so exciting, very very exciting player. Yeah, no, I I would agree with everything you said. I thought that he was, you know, I said this a bunch of times already, but you know, a little squirrely. But he's just aggressive, and he's like a he's kind of like an energizer bunny out there, where he's he's in on every play, and once he really kind of t- finds that balance with aggressiveness versus patience. Uh, there could be a really interesting player there. Uh, rounding out the blue line, we've got two more. Noah Warren. What did you think of his game? I By the no- way, N- Noah Warren, I just want to say this. The guy is 6'5", 216, but has like like a legitimate baby face. Like he looks like a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah It's I, just I, jarring. I think it's probably similar to how I felt about uh, Tyson Hines. I think maybe a little bit higher. I think he maybe showed a little bit more. Maybe, And I think that that has to do with a little bit also of having a bit of a higher draft pedigree, being a second rounder as compared to a third rounder. But I think he showed himself as being really good in his own zone. Um, didn't have any really glaring turnovers. Wasn't a guy that necessarily got hemmed in his own zone either. Um, I, I think that he also had a decent amount of, like, it wasn't like he was, um, behind the play from a speed perspective in transition. So no. I, I think that he looked good also. I mean, all of these guys look good to me. I, mean, I, I think th- that this th- was the most exciting part of, of the tournament was seeing these guys. I think people groaned at the fact that, oh, they drafted a big defenseman and you know, here we go. Uh, Pav Rubik only cares about size, but you know, size can be an asset if, if, if it's paired with a smart, effective player and so he -hmm. leverages that size and that's part of what makes him a a good player and so even though again it wasn't the most exciting pick like we talked about earlier with nathan gaucher he's a he's a solid player and i and i he's so young and i already feel like i can see you know the makings of it like a third pairing defenseman you know i don't know about second pairing because he doesn't the puck moving is going to have to come along some but he's He's a fun player to watch. I mean, anytime you can see just a giant out there who can actually play, it's it just makes for, for fun hockey. So we'll see. We'll see about him. And then to kind of round it out, I don't think we're going to talk about the goalies. Um, no. I mean, with all due respect, I just don't – I don't see any of these guys that were there as, as really uh, figuring in the Ducks' long-term plans in net. So Olin Zellweger, this is – we saved the – did we save the best for last? I don't know. I think so. Uh, Zellweger is just an exciting player. I think he showed up more in today's game from what I saw than, than in prior ones, but in, especially on the power play, he's yeah. just so dynamic. Like that's where his game really shines. And I think he's also a guy that's going to be really good in transition, but it felt like almost in, in the, uh, he really stood out so much on the power play and yeah. he's just an exciting player. He's going to be an exciting player. And, I don't think anything in this tournament has done anything to change that for me. Some people may point out to point out the uh, William Eklund goal um, in the first game in overtime, but yeah, I mean, that's just a high quality play by the four, by a top ten overall pick, and there's not a whole lot of guys in this league can, that can defend that, and so. And even the best defenders in the league get burned. Like that happens from time to time, and I don't think that that was necessarily indicative of anything for him. So. I was really, really happy with how Zellweger played in this tournament. 
Um, and I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. And it's going to be a really good time. Yeah, I mean, Zellweger is almost a foot shorter than Warren. <laughs> That's just, yeah. It's just funny to look at that. And they're pro- I think they're close in age, aren't they? Uh, no. So Warren is born July of 04, and okay. Zellweger is September of 03. Who was the December birthday of uh, 03 in this draft? Was there anyone that, that, December, that's that old? December 03. Well, Gaucher is, is November 03. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the which, fact that they are which really shows close how, in age. Yeah. I mean, Tukov is also, he's a late November 03. So, yeah. It's, wild wild <laughs> to think that, that Zellweger is closer in age to them than he probably is McTavish. Uh, yeah, I mean, McTavish, let's see here. I think yeah, January. He's January. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, though, that Zellweger looked great. I mean, he, he did all the Zellweger things, right? The, the skating, the skill, the puck possession, some shooting as well. But, I mean, for him, it's just one of those things where I'm just fascinated to see where it goes. Like, is this, can he, can he do this in preseason games? I don't. I think it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for him to make the team. Yeah. Because I think there is this built-in bias against smaller guys and that, you know, they have to spend more time rounding out their game than bigger guys do, which, you know, rightly or wrongly, that's that's the case. I think that if he really shows out in preseason, that there is kind of a spot for him on that third pairing. But Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. third pairing is an open competition at this point in time between... Uh, well, that, well, that's that's the thing, right? Is like, do you like? Is it really that important that uh, Erhovakinen is your third pairing left shot D? Like Josh like, Mahura, Simon Benoit. The, right? the only reason why you wouldn't keep him is if you're afraid you're going to lose one of those guys to waivers, and you're really sold on those guys. That would I, I th- be the I, the only reason. I don't think you should be sold on any of those guys and no, worried about like, losing any of them to waivers. Like, like that's the thing. Is like what what credibility have these guys built up that's so you know so overwhelming that you can't give a guy like Zellweger a shot like these are you know I mean not to sound like cold and calculating but these are replaceable players like they're not they're not game changers they're not needle movers and and here's the other thing you could also Vakanina I think can play either side so if you really want to put him in the lineup you can always scratch Shattenkirk and play because at yeah. the end of the day, what's Shattenkirk now? A third pairing defenseman that's going to be used in the second pair, second power play. Well, I think you scratch those other guys before you scratch Shattenkirk. Agreed. Because at I'm least Shattenkirk can play on the power. But I'm play. just saying, if you're sold on wanting Vakanainen in the lineup to get him minutes, like yeah. if that's really where you want to be, then you can play Zellweger and Vakanainen together. Yeah. No, I. I think they should just give him a, just give him a chance in the NHL. Like there's there's no harm in it. I think he's he's dominated his his level in junior. I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves now, but I I think I think they should do it. And yeah, we're, I'm seeing a question or, in our chat about you know do you really want him playing on the third pairing? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean he doesn't have to like like first pairing NHL second pairing NHL is a big task. Ask ask Jamie Drysdale about how that went for him last season. So third pairing ease him into the lineup there's just nothing wrong with that yeah and i think that there's more to gain for him playing third pairing minutes in the nhl even over a nine game sample size than playing first pairing minutes in the whl Mm -hmm. like i just think he's shown that he's too good for the whl and even if he has to go back because of the rules Mm -hmm. i think giving him some games in the nhl to get a taste is going to be very good for him yeah that's the thing it's almost like you're rewarding what he's done it's kind of a nod to the fact that well you know we're kind of stuck with these rules 
but we want, you know, we think you've earned this. And now hopefully once you go back, you're not quite as like down in the dumps that you have to do this all over again. Yep. Okay. Well, that's the list. All right. Uh, any, any thoughts on, before we get into questions on the, the Zegris Drysdale thing from the weekend, did you see the turnout for it? There were a lot of people. There were a lot of people there. And supposedly from what I saw, Zegris and Drysdale both stayed late to make sure everyone got stuff signed, which is Uh, good on them. Yeah. I mean, good for them. Happy that that went well. Happy that the ducks are marketing their, their stars uh yeah well i think it just goes to show the excitement level within the fan i'm still not used to the 11 and 6 though you'll get used to it maybe after two games it's something about it go back to 46 and 34 stop (laughs) all right let's get to questions we're gonna start with twitter then or actually no we're gonna start with discord then go to twitter then come back to twitch uh so we got one question our first question is from jj stone drum says how many ducks rookie that played this weekend will have at least one game in the nhl this season i'm gonna go with two. Oh, it, oh, this season sorry uh i'll go with mctavish selweger perot i'm gonna go five tracy i'm up to four and ah, shit i'm gonna go six i'm gonna throw it to gauchet because i'm dying on that hill may legitimately die on it um and I'll go Hellison. So, yeah, I think we're at six. <laughs> All right. Uh, replace Gaucher with uh, Regenda. I think Regenda gets oh, a game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll go seven then. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, just just go in there with it. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's a decent amount. That's more than I probably thought. But this when is, I, like, when... throughout the season. Like, yeah. And, and this doesn't mean that they're going to play, like, 40 games. Like, th- like I'm thinking does, a lot does, of the games. Does Blake McLaughlin get a game? Yo, fuck it. Let's, uh, shit. Let, let's go eight. Let's go eight. Give <laughs> so me eight. I'm, I'm at seven. There's, Gauthier is not making the team, so well, I'm at seven. There's going to be injury, injuries. I mean, is there going to be another rash of COVID? So let's go. <laughs> Can we get to double digits? <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, okay. All Moving right. Forward. We're going to go to Twitter now. Uh, Andrew Boydson said, who is the most impressive guy in the rookie tournament and the one who looks like they need more time and one that you didn't have on your radar that really, uh, really that could turn heads, whether immediate or in the future. Yeah. I think Luno is that guy for me in terms of, he wasn't really on my radar. I mean, I knew that there was a, a chance that he was better than his draft positioning, but he really showed, he really showed well. So that yeah. would be my guy, guy that needs I more time. That. Who would be the guy? I mean, I think Pasijov. Oh, I mean, is he really a prospect? I mean, he needs more time. He's about to be twenty-three. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Pasijov. I would agree with that. Yeah, Pasijov needs more time. It's not. A, it's not writing him off. Most impressive. Huh. I'm going to go with Zellweger. Do I go Jacob Perot? I go might. for it. I'm going Jacob Perot. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Hockey South asked, uh, the D look good in this game and looking forward uh, to uh, looking forward are Hellison and Warren on the right side in 2023. Uh, it's wide open on the right side for the defensive defenseman after the trade deadline or in the 23-24 season. Wait, Luno and wait, wait, what? Hellison are Hellison and Warren on the right side of defense for the Ducks in 2023? So this season? No. No, no, no. Sorry, start of. Well, I guess yeah. I guess he's saying this season, but it's. 
I, he's saying that after the trade deadline or no, 23 Warren season. is going to be in the in junior War- hockey. Yeah, War- Warren's got two more years in junior. Yeah, and then Hellison maybe. Maybe maybe Hellison because I think Hellis I think Hellison could be a lock on that right side starting next season. Yeah. I think that one's far more likely. He's yeah, in, he's I, in he's in the age range where now you're 91 Plutie with a good I mean, here's the thing. The six guys that played that first game all could legit become NHL def- quality defensemen. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what has some of the most trade value in the NHL? Yeah, defensemen. defensemen. And so 91 Plutie in our Twitch chat brings up a good uh good good shout. I predict Noah Warren is traded before he gets to the NHL. And mm-hmm. kind of going off that I think one of Warren or Hines is ended up trading. Ended well, they, up they are a little redundant. Like yeah. you can only have so many of these guys, but it's a good thing. You just got to be guys car- have Those guys have trade value. I mean, you just got to be careful what you do with them. Cause we saw, remember the last time the ducks had a, had an overflowing defense pipeline. Yeah. There's also a different guy at charge in charge that understands the valuable assets <laughs> that he should be going after. And the you, you don't think, you don't think uh Pavar would, would, would lose a Shea Theodore for nothing. And the contending window for this team. And I mean, here's the thing, not all, there's not going to be space on this roster for all these guys to make it. There just you isn't. You don't think Pavar would trade a Brandon Montour type for basically a bag of magic beans. Uh, that trade was still fine. We both you, really you, like that trade. You don't. You don't think Paverbeek would hang on to a Jacob Larson type indefinitely after he'd already proven beyond a reasonable doubt that he was not an NHL defenseman? And who did he move? Who did he move Marcus Pedersen for again? Oh my God! And you, was that for Sprong? That was you're, Sprong. You're saying Paverbeek wouldn't trade an obviously solid, def- you know, depth defenseman for kind of a project forward? <laughs> Ba- basically what i'm saying is i think pat verbeek has a plan in place and knows exactly what he's doing and knows that he needs to that all these guys even if they don't make the the ducks specifically they have trade value and can be flipped because at the end of the day the ducks are going to hit their contending window and there's going to be guys available for them to get and the better you draft the higher your pros- prospects are the better the quality of talent that you can get in a trade how good would shay theodore look on the ducks current blue line <laughs> I have a Shea Theodore jersey. Really? I have a Gold Shea Theodore jersey. Oh wow, that's actually a nice, nice item. Yeah. Which Which one is it? The home or the away? Uh, well, it depends. Oh, is it the white one or the black one? <laughs> there you go. That's the better question. They were white half the time at home and black half the time at home. Can you just answer the question? I have the white one. Okay. The that's white the one's correct, the better that's jersey. The, that's the correct choice. Yeah. The white one's the better jersey. It is. Okay. Um, all right. Our good friend uh, Trevor Zegras is at 91 Blue saying tra- uh, Lewis is shaking right now with the jersey talk. He, well, yeah. Who knows yeah. what Lewis is doing? An inside joke for everyone. Uh, Trevor Zegras asks us a uh, couple questions. The UFA market is very deep next year. The Ducks are loaded up with deep prospects that project to be good, as we saw this weekend. And we have the college guys and Drysdale. College guys, FYI, might not end up being here. We'll see kind of what happens with that. But he added, so because of our defense uh, seem set, do you think we'll make a big splash in the forward part of next offseason? If so, who would be a name you would like to see them take a run at? Have you even looked at the the free agency for next year? No. I was reading this and was really hoping you would be pulling that up as as I was reading. I mean, you could have you, you know, you could have forwarded me this question maybe. No. I, I don't know. 
Um, that would made too much sense. I mean, Matthew Barzal is the big one that comes up to mind, but he's RFA. Wait, but but why are we talking about free agents? Like, what's the relationship with the yeah, prospect? Defenseman? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think if you're looking at prospects, the better way to look at it is look trades. at RFAs. Well, trades. Or, 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 well, an RFA is a guy that you would trade for. Pierre, oh, okay. Like a Pierre-Luc Dubois, Matt Barzal. But I, yeah, well, Dubois is going to be a hab, so... This is known. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at this free agency class, and I don't know. It. It. Sure, there's high-end talent with Nathan McKinnon, with Dylan well, Larkin. Is McKinnon going to make that? That. That's the thing. That? Yeah. That. That's the thing. Is a lot of these guys right now the class looks better, but that. That's because these guys haven't signed their extensions yet. Those extensions the, are going to be coming. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, part. Two of his question, Patrick Kane and Zegers have always talked about how he's been his favorite player, and somebody role model his game after they would be, uh, and they have a pretty similar game. And I would imagine come the twenty three twenty four season, we were likely contenders. What would be the best offer you would give Patrick Kane? Money in years? I wouldn't. Kind of, I wouldn't do it. Reason? I don't really want Patrick Kane on the Ducks. I don't know. Yeah. Reasons. I mean, I mean is this an off ice? Uh, commentary things like that also i don't want necessary it's gonna take a lot of money in years and i don't want to be giving that much money in yeah i think i think so and i don't really want to he's 33 like he's gonna be 34 probably once this deal is up yeah he's gonna be 34 he's still gonna someone's yeah someone's gonna offer him money because he's patrick kane i would not give him that yeah i mean yeah i think you're right that someone is gonna give him a contract of note so for that reason stay away yep all right uh twitch chat by the way there's uh start throwing your questions in uh he added something about jason robertson let me see <sighs> it's not happening uh, we, yeah it's not happening so for those of you watching on youtube yes we're on youtube.com slash crash the pond uh, you can find us, and also on your favorite podcast services, you can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash CrashPond, where you can watch us live. Um, and if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days, and it does help support this show more than you can imagine. Uh, Duck, uh said, not a question, but out of uh, guys you didn't talk about, uh, Josh Lapina, and I think Apathy Duck was at the game, uh, showed some flashes today. Yeah, he looked fine. I don't know. I don't know where what his future is. I have I, I, my crystal ball is starting to to lose lose battery. Probably an AHLer at the end of the day. Yeah, most likely. Uh, Ducks Jagannath said, "Who's your dark horse candidate to have a breakout season this year?" Troy Terry was too easy last year. <laughs> was Troy uh, Terry too easy last year? I mean, easy I for feel us. like people. I feel like people were starting to jump off the island. I feel like uh, people are leaving it. Well, are we sure Troy Terry was the breakout star of last year? Yes, he was. I mean, I would like to remind you and remind everyone that uh, Isaac Lundestrom scored 16 goals and was a a penalty-killing ace and was, quote-unquote, trustworthy. Uh, breakout season this year? You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go Mason McTavish. <laughs> uh, see, that's that's cheap. I went first. You didn't get your answer, and you were making jokes instead. <laughs> you, th- you think it's a joke that Isaac Lindstrom <laughs> broke out last season? How dare you? <laughs> Everyone clipped this. Um, okay, breakout star. 
I'm going to go. I'm going to do a, a. What's the opposite of a heel turn? I'm coming back to the light. Whatever, whatever the expression is. Babyface turn. I'm doing a babyface turn. I predict Jamie Drysdale will break out because he good. hasn't broken out. I yeah, mean, that's a good. That's a good take. I know that he had hashtag points last year, but he wasn't good last year. So. By default, he almost has to break out this year or else you're in trouble, but I do I do think that he will. He's going to be in a better spot in the lineup. He's got the chops for it. I think he'll do it. Yep. All right. And Let's he's not two. and he, and he's he's just literally got less weight on his back now. He's got one less number to carry around in the back of his jersey. All right. Let's hit two more questions then I got to get out of here to go help with my son. Uh 91 Pluty said, "Would you prefer uh the Ducks enter the Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers sweep takes sweepstakes this year when they are inevitably, inevitably incensed by the sinking ship in Winnipeg?" Um I'm going to say Nick Ehlers. How old is Nick Ehlers? Who's younger? I think Nick Ehlers is younger than uh Kyle, Kyle Connor's Connor. 25. Nick Ehlers is 26. Shit. Then Kyle yeah. go, They're both really good players, so I'm just going to pick the younger of the two and Kyle I'm, Connor. I'm actually going Ehlers because he's only got two years left at a cheaper number. You're getting Six. their prime years. Yeah, but I mean, Connor's got three years, seven million. Yeah, per year. He's very good. Okay. Either of them. But what's it going to cost you to get him though? Noah Warren. I like. <laughs> I know that Noah Warren had three good games in the freaking rookie faceoff. That, that was a joke. But let's 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 pump those tires or pump those brakes. Pumping the wrong thing. All right, we'll end with this one. Defend the nest says legit question. Why are the ducks so good at drafting defense? Kyle Connor's awful defensively. I'm just so, looking this up right now. All like, gas, no brakes. Like he's shit defensively. All gas, no brakes. E- the correct answer is Ehlers. It's not close. Okay. Okay. My first guess was right then. <laughs> uh, Defend the nest said legit question. Why are the ducks so good at drafting defense? Our good I friend mean, John Broadbent from New Zealand. I just think that they know what to look for. Like, it sounds like maybe an obvious answer, but I think a lot of teams get bogged down in this whole toughness, all the intangible stuff when looking at D. I think that the Ducks just understand what drives success in the NHL for defensemen, you know, looking at mobility, decision-making, smarts, puck moving, all of that. Um they target guys like that. And, you know, when if there's a size ingredient, there's a size ingredient. But that's why they're so good at it, because they just look for the right things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of just looking at even guys they've taken in the last couple of years. So this last draft from defense, it was Leno, Warren, Minchukov. The draft before was Zellweger, Hines. Draft before that was Drysdale, Ian Moore, and then fourth round Timo Nickel. And Ian Moore is a guy that people are high on in a third round role. And then the draft before, you have Lacombe, Thrun, and Francis, and Matt Hill. And, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening with Lacombe and Thrun, but they're both guys that are uh, Well, regardless valuable. of what happens, they, they're, they're well valu- thought of. They're prospects. valuable. Yeah. Uh, 2018, there were no defense taken. Twenty nine or 2017, no defense taken. 2016, Josh Maher in the third rounder, in a third round pick, and getting an – I mean, Josh Maher looks like he's probably an NHLer. Look, bottom pairing NHLer. Which for a third round pick isn't a bad outcome. Yeah, Josh Maher's not a bad player. Like it really feels like the only miss, com- like complete reach miss on this list is Jacob Larson. Yeah, and that's going back to 2015. Yeah, and I think like 
there's a danger in going back that far because the game just keeps changing. So yeah. it's like, but that that's kind of the point here is that there's been mm-hmm. however many years and we just ran through all the defense and you can't say that necessarily any of those, maybe Timo nickel, depending on what he ends up becoming, but that was a fourth round pick. You're not going to get an NHL out of every single fourth round pick that you take. No. And so I, I think that it, they've done really, really well drafting defense. Agreed. So agreed. Uh, yeah. Anything else? No. No, that's I think that's the show. Yeah, I'll just add Hot D is very good. What? House of the Dragon. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> I I just want to say it like that just to screw with you. <laughs> um Yeah, I that that's all I've got. Um thank you to everybody for listening. And if you see this as the unofficial start of the NHL season, then I guess we're back. We're, we're, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. I think from here on out, we're pretty much every Monday. So yeah, that's uh, the plan. Get ready to, to hear us and to listen to us and to watch us. If you want to help us keep this thing going and have a good season and hopefully have more seasons beyond this one, uh, there's a couple easy ways for you to do that. Uh, the number one way uh, for podcasts is just leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, it's a really easy thing. You just type in the name of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app, and it just takes a couple couple seconds. You know, leave a quick blurb, throw in some inside jokes, whatever you have. We appreciate it, and you know, from there, it'll help us kind of keep keep climbing up those rankings. If in, I'm almost positive that everyone that not everyone who listens to this show has left a review of those that are on Apple. So I mean, ha- we literally see the number of listens and they don't see- match the review. So exactly. If you enjoy this, there's a big percentage of you that, that haven't done this. So if, if you're listening to these words, we would kindly appreciate that you do so. Um, there's other ways for you to support us though. Go on Spotify. We got um, a new so- review by the way, since the last episode. Oh, that's right. We did. Yeah, it came from NC Steve 7 said yes uh, and gave us five stars. This is good friend of the show. Steve said, very fun Ducks podcast once you get past some quote-unquote innovative Felix Food Takes trademark. Yeah, I was on one last time. Uh, yeah, we had some people that find us or that found us because uh, we were recommended on Twitter and I had to tell people, uh, beware the Felix Takes. <laughs> Uh, oh, I should mention that if you do leave a review, we will read it on the show. Yeah. So so do that. Uh, we're also on Spotify. Leave us a rating there. Uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Crash the Pond. You can see the video version of the show. But really the other way and the biggest way that you can support us outside of those other forms, check out our Patreon. Uh, for a dollar a month for $1 pledge, that's at patreon.com slash Crash the Pond, uh, you get access to our Discord server. And for those that don't know what Discord is, it's basically like, think of it, it's just think of it as one big chat room. And there's different rooms, there's different channels where there's different topics. And this is essentially a server filled with fellow diehard Ducks fans. Everyone's there to have a good time. It's my personal favorite place to talk hockey. Uh, But we're not limited to talking hockey in there. We have a fantasy football channel. We actually have a league going uh, that we started with just members of the Discord um, we've got a food channel, which is, I mean, as you saw off the top of the show, uh, can lead to some pretty regrettable takes, but still still a good time. That's for $1 a month. Uh, and then for $5 a month, you get access to the Discord. On top of that, though, you get two bonus episodes a month where we either go further in depth on different Ducks topics or we do 
league-wide topics, which is always fun. Uh, so that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, also make sure to check out our website, uh, crash the pond.com. We've actually got a shop crash the pond.com slash shop. You can go there. And you know, if you're looking to gear up for the season, well, we've got some t-shirts for you, coffee mugs, stickers, everything you can think of with our beautiful crash the pond logo on it. So go check that out. Um, check us out on Twitter at crash the pond. We're also there on Facebook to search crash the pond. Uh, Jake is on Twitter at reindeer games, 91. And I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you in a week. Have a good one. Bye.